As much as people depend on us as leaders, you need someone who believes in you. You need a place to be open and honest with someone who's walked in your shoes and wants to help you become the leader you are meant to be. This is that place with those kind of people. Welcome to the Relational Leader Podcast with your host, Randy Bazet. Each episode will sit down and engage in life-giving conversation, unpacking leadership's greatest challenges. Well, welcome to the newest episode of the Relational Leader Podcast. My name is Kristen, and as always, I'm sitting across the table from Randy Bezet. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing great this morning, Kristen. It's good to be uh, recording another episode. It, yeah, it's been a while. It I feel has like been we, a while. We haven't recorded in a while. Well, I haven't even been around for a while. I've just taken some time back. out. Yeah, it's good to be Our back. Our listeners don't know that. But they now, don't know that, but I'm do. telling you guys that are listening, I have been gone. I've been relaxing. I've been chilling, resting, and I'm glad to be back. You ready? It's going to be like an eight hour. It's going to be an eight hour podcast. (laughs) Yes. So sorry, guys. Get ready. Buckle up. We'll turn this into like four parts, but no. But it is. It's good to be back recording, and it's going to be a fun episode. Um, We've got a great guest with us. Uh, Rich Wilgerson Jr. is in the house, sitting around the table. How you doing this morning? I'm doing great. Honored to be here. I'm just pumped to to finally get on the podcast. You know. Yeah. I know. It. It, you realize what kind of strings you guys had to pull <laughs> Thank you. for that to happen. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. Well, we are glad that you're here. And for those of our listeners that may not know who Rich is, you pastor a great church down in Miami, Vu Church. And more than that, you've got an amazing wife who just had a third. You guys just had your third baby. Third baby. And it's a girl. Yeah. So oh. uh, we got two boys and now oh. I'm finally a girl dad. Have, are you wrecked with... Yeah, oh, wrecked in every aspect of the word, physically, emotionally, spiritually, <laughs> financially, I hear is gonna, it's coming. But um, Oh, listen, yeah. you just wait. Yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah, y'all's right. fourth and is a girl, yeah, and so she we had is three the boys, yeah. and then That's it, where you went into bankruptcy, right? That's, oh, where, that, that, that story of your testimony it's, began. It's crazy. We could spend a whole podcast <laughs> talking about this <laughs> ebb and flow of finances with kids, but <laughs> you think it's expensive now. You just wait. Right. Okay. We're learning, but um, yeah, we just had our third child. Uh, so I have three kids. My oldest, his name is Wyatt Wesley Wilkerson. He's three years old. My second boy, I was just telling you guys earlier before we started recording, his name is Wild Wesley Wilkerson. And is he as wild yeah, as Yeah, we, we should have named him Savage. That okay. would have been more true to his name. And then our third is Waylon Wesley Wilkerson. And so they're all WWW. But uh, she's, I guess she's actually four weeks old as of yesterday wow. so we are that is fresh. Uh, we're, we're loving it we just took some time as well to, together as a family and we're having the best time ever oh that's so good well thanks for in the midst of all you've oh. got going on coming around the Thrilled table here. here and being a part of this conversation that's really what this whole podcast is if you're a new listener to us mm-hmm. um your heart rainy is just really to have conversation candid conversation as if somebody was in the green room with you exactly there's been so many times i've been at a conference or a church or something and i'm sitting around in the green room having this conversation and um i'm taking notes and i'm like wow i'm learning so many things and i'm i'm just hearing hearts and expressing things and sharing things and i thought wouldn't it be great if we could take people into the green room conversations and from there just let that be something that that everybody can participate in and be a part of so that's really the heart of this whole idea yeah well 
It's going to be a great conversation today because we're going to be talking about um, just specific uh, to kind of a specific audience, which I know we have a lot of pastors and leaders that are listening, and um, a lot of those pastors and leaders are our parents. And so our topic today is really talking about growing up as a pastor's mm. kid. What are some of the challenges that maybe you have to overcome? And even as parents of kids, yeah. what are things that you're doing now, you know, to help set your kids up for all that God has for them? And it's a real it's a real thing. There's well, lots you know, of the, challenges that the come with it. The fact that we would even be doing a podcast on this shows you the the need for that mm-hmm. it's not a whole lot of industries where you have to find a podcast to learn how to raise your kids because you're a plumber or mm. because you're a, a doctor or yeah. a, whatever it is that you do because it's it's challenging uh you know as our guest knows that very well yeah you know? and you grew up i don't know if all of our listeners know that but you grew up as a pastor's kid Absolutely. and and so tell what what was that like like you got to give us at least like oh, some yeah, good go story. Oh. give us something but uh, what was it like? Well, my therapist was telling me the other day. <laughs> that, um, you know, I, yeah, I grew up um, uh, four generations, uh, Pentecostal preacher, pastor on both sides of my family now. So that's like... You didn't have a choice. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's some people talk about design. My whole life is a story of default. And so uh, I just, I, I, I genuinely just fell into all of this. But on both sides of my family, on my, my mom's side and my dad's side, there's just pastors, my uncles, my aunts my grandparents, my great-grandfathers. And so um, I'm really grateful now at this point, sitting here with you today for the legacy and the heritage mm-hmm. of what I come from. But yeah, growing up, is it's a different- You weren't thankful for it way back no, then, I can't no, imagine. I, think I, I was Jonah. I, we can go through all the Bible characters that I, that I emulated. <laughs> um, I, I, now looking back, so, so thankful. But in it, of course, all sorts of strange things. My, my first slow dance was to Our God is an Awesome God. Oh, Shut up. No. It's a true story, yeah, like 13 years old. But uh, the fact that they let you dance, that, that and because see, the church I Brandy, grew up is, in, yes, uh, they didn't believe in premarital sex because they thought it might lead to there dancing. There you go. <laughs> that, that's the home. I, truly, I mean, truly. <laughs> up until I, 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 every wedding we ever went to as a family, we'd go to the wedding. You'd, you'd get to the reception. You'd sit down, and as I don't care what the song was, it could be the Macarena. It could be our God is twist an awesome and shout. As <laughs> soon as the dancing, my dad would be like, Wilkerson's, we're out. And then as a family, we'd get up together and we'd make our statement. Statement. We're leaving <laughs> this wedding. This is where the wedding stopped uh, being it, under the Lord and it became under the flesh. Yeah, and so Ichabod. You got it. <laughs> you, you, know, you know my family. And so literally at 13 years of age, I was like, mom and dad, you know, I want a DJ. And they prayed about it. And they came back and they said, Rich, you could have a DJ under one condition. I said, what is that? If he only plays christian music and so my mom hired crazy larry that's not a dj yeah it's not a dj no he had a red and stimpy tie on and he was behind two turntables and he mixed together worship songs and i found myself with amy frederick on the dance floor in my garage which was a movie theme we had put black uh garbage bags all over the garage and we had movie posters and i'm on the dance floor singing to our god is an awesome god he ran i'm looking at Andy How going romantic yeah it was awesome and the verses are very romantic if you can remember those randy oh man the lord wasn't just... joking when he kicked him out of eden our god is an awesome god like oh i mean the power of god yeah which i feel like what a slow songs, dance well i feel like worship songs we should bring that part back because like we don't we, we, need to, we need to worship the entire Godhead, the entire being of God, not just his grace and his mercy. What about his wrath? I mean, yeah, we need so to worshipful. know that our God is a God of justice yes. and something about that. I can't know how good he is until I know how bad it could be. So um, I'm just thankful for all of it. But how was it growing up? It was miserable for the most part. No, no, it was uh, 
it's only looking back that you can see the beauty of all of it. But yeah. in it, there was all sorts of struggles we could talk about. Yeah. Oh my gosh! So, the, but you know, the think of the the principle or that that story and how difficult that was for you, and the reason why it was so difficult for you because the pressure that was on the parents. Yep. To to be this family mm-hmm. that everything is veneer. Yep. I mean, really, I'm not not saying y'all were fake, but at the same time, they're certain standards that you really need to live by and so put pressure on them which put pressure on you absolutely and i think i think growing up now only in the seat that i'm in finally you can start to understand a little bit more about your mom and your dad i I remember when i first had my firstborn son wyatt i kind of had uh this revelation came about the first revelation was wow um i i really need to uh go apologize to my dad (laughs) because uh it's only now I'm starting to kind of just get somewhat of an idea of how much he loves me and loved me. Uh, my dad used to always say the downward flow of the father is always greater than the upward flow of the son. Mm-hmm. There's just no way to compare mm-hmm. the two. And so That's it wasn't great, until I was good. in the seat of a father going, wow, my dad was just, he loved me. He was right. He was, yeah, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> um, but I think what you're saying is that my dad, I think when you talk about what his strengths are, is that he operates fully on conviction. And I think especially in those seasons growing up, he was a man of conviction. And I think he was striving and still is to say, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna set a standard, not just for me, but my family. And we're setting the standard for those that we're leading. And I can only imagine the pressure that was on him to try to get it right and mm-hmm. to try to make sure that that which he was preaching was actually being right. applied in his own home and things like no dancing. I think he's shifted a little bit now, but back then, th- these were convictions for him. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I need to uphold this, and I need to make sure this was put into my children. At the moment, it was just, you know, challenging as a young person. Go, I can't <laughs> dance. Sitting now today as a 37 year old man, I'm grateful for a dad who was trying to walk out right. mm-hmm. his convictions, who was trying to walk out mm-hmm. what he felt mm-hmm. at the time was what he was supposed to do under the Lord. I think as a parent, it one of the most challenging things to do is to have these values convictions say this is this is who we are as a family but but it it not to be uh because we are pastors yeah Mm. because then they kids can grow up resenting church and resenting ministry but uh so we tried to overcome some of those things by saying well bzets we don't go to those movies or we don't go to people's houses that are doing that rather than, well, because we're pastors. And so whether yep. we were in ministry or whether I was in sales, it didn't matter. We don't do those things. Well, I have three brothers. I have an older brother and then two younger brothers. All of my brothers are all in full-time ministry. And I think people oftentimes look at that and go, well, how did all your boys end up in doing this? And what'd you get right? Mm. And I think ultimately, as I assess and evaluate what my parents did right, that's the other thing, as, when you become a parent, you start going, you did that great, and I'm gonna improve that. You know, you think that <laughs> right. you, you start ha- you start looking at all this stuff way deeper. But I think the thing I could say about my parents that I so appreciate about them is that there wasn't two versions of them. Yeah, who mm. they were is is who they were. So it wasn't like, hey, we're saying this thing and then not doing this thing over here. And I sense in my dad and what I always loved about him was that this is who Rich Wilkerson is. It wasn't like Pastor Rich Wilkerson or Evangelist Rich Wilkerson. It was. Uh, it was, this is who he is all the time. And ultimately more is always caught than taught. And so mm-hmm. I think that's what I, what I caught from my dad was he's the real deal. And hey, that's was, something you can respect. You could, you could count on him, yep. right? 
it because he it was his life was congruent. Yeah, he wasn't all this one way here and yep. one another way there. And that stability actually does help kids grow with oh, a lot of confidence goodness, and tremendously. And my dad is. Uh, I wish he was here. He's he's hilarious in every sense of the word. He's intense. He's full of conviction. I always joke, you know, he was drinking Red Bull before Red Bull was created. You know, he just fired up. But he was the he was the biggest cheerleader of us, like the biggest celebrator of us. And so he was strong in his convictions, but he matched that with celebration, love, support, and encouragement. I think when you think about the idea of the role of a father, I'm always drawn to the passage in Hebrews, which talks about how fathers are called to discipline, mm -hmm. but they discipline out of love. And so it's kind of this twofold side of mm -hmm. correction and celebration or you know, encouragement and uh, correction or encouragement and discipline. And my dad well, just balanced both those things. Well, isn't it the way. wrong understanding of what discipline is? It's not correction, it's discipleship. There you go. And sometimes you have to correct and sometimes you admonish and sometimes you encourage though. But yeah. it, it isn't like, well, I'm just looking for them to do something wrong. Right, right, right. It's set, it's set in the direction. Yeah. And that, that's what discipleship is about. It's about putting. Well, it's heart training. I mean, really, because if it's all behavioral training, then when the kids grow up and they leave, well, I didn't do those things because I was going to get in trouble. Yep. Not, well, that's part of my heart. It's part of who I am. It's heart training. So then the behavior Very follows good. heart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very, very good. Those are the things that my parents, I think, just did in such a tremendous way that now at this age, I can look back and <laughs> appreciate much more. I wish I could say I appreciate it when I was 15. Of course you did. Yeah. No uh, one did. Okay, so okay, so try to go back to the 15-year-old. Oh, my goodness. You know, this you. is, okay. Yeah, yeah if, if you can. Oh, I do this every week in okay. counseling, so I'm good. All right, if, you can, <laughs> if I can take you back yeah. to the 15. Do we need to get you a sofa? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you, uh, your feet up? <laughs> no, but so so the 15 year old you, if we've got a pastor listening right now, um, what are some of the things at 15, at, at 13, at 17 that you're having to process and work through because your your parent is a pastor? Mm. And, you know, we talked y'all talked a little bit about pressures and things that maybe maybe at the time you didn't know how to communicate to your parents of what am I, I, I feel like everybody's expecting so much of me or whatever. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what was it like that would maybe help some of our listeners be able to relate and understand sure. to what maybe their kids are going through right now? Sure. I think, you know, everyone's story has things that are unique. And I think there's in people's, there's things in people's stories that are always common that you can kind of find principles and practicalities. Yeah. I think I'll start with just some of the unique things about what took place in our life and um, we grew up uh, in Tacoma, Washington, outside of Seattle. My grandfather pastored an Assemblies of God church there called Life Center, led that church for over 40 years, very healthy, successful church, lots of ministries, a private school, retirement homes, sort of like this little bubble uh, that we grew up in that was a very safe place. My dad at the time for 22 years was on the road. This is like kind of a different model of ministry that doesn't really exist much anymore. But Evangelist, that traveling. Four-day crusades. Crusades, tent so, revival kind yeah, of stuff. My dad would get home Thursday. It was clockwork. I mean, up until I was 15, 14, get home on Thursday. He'd be home Thursday night. We'd have something on Friday. And he was out Saturday morning to get to the church where he was going to the day before, preach the Sunday morning services, invite him back for a Sunday night, be in public schools Monday morning, Tuesday morning, and Wednesday morning use the public schools, use like motivational talks to draw them to the church that night. And he would do a Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night crusade. So that was like his life. Wow. So I had this kind of a juxtaposition where I had my, my grandfather 
who his close mentor friend was Robert Schuler. So if you know anything about uh, that ministry, the hour of power, uh, my grandfather was sort of a Pentecostal-ish version of Robert Schuler, which doesn't really even exist. It was more, he preached 18 minute messages, um, cry a river, build a bridge and get over it. You know, that right. was like his famous <laughs> term. Okay. Suck and it so, up, buttercup. Yeah, it's just like, but he just, you know, it's always too soon to quit. He kind of had these little like sayings and, and just had built a, a church where he was pastoring people, a large church. My dad was this lightning rod sort of firebolt preacher, you know, uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit and, and souls. So I had these two kind of voices. I grew up next door to my grandparents. So my grandfather was like my second dad. So my grandfather's the pastor, my dad's the evangelist. And in 1998, my dad has this call to leave to come to Washington and move to Miami, Florida to take over a little urban inner city church of about 200 people. Mm. And it just, it's just true to my dad, not really probably all the way understanding what this is gonna take. <laughs> it takes more than you could ever imagine. And so at 14, going into my freshman year of high school, my brother's going into his senior year of high school, we leave the only life we ever know, which is Tacoma, Washington, to move to the inner city of Miami, Florida. That must have been difficult. Wow. It was just, I, I think the word probably now looking back as I've learned is probably traumatic for everybody, not just yeah. my brothers and I, but my mom and my dad. They probably didn't know what they were getting themselves into. And so I think with that, up until that moment, going into my freshman year, very stable, normal upbringing in life. And then me in Miami, it was all of a sudden kind of like an uprooting where I think all sorts of things in that traumatic time, that's when I started to kind of rebel. I was going to a school 30 minutes away from my parents. And so that's where challenges began. I think the pressure at that point, when you say, what was I going through at 15 that other people could listen to, is I think in a moment when you want honesty and transparency, mm -hmm. I think when people are 14, 15, 16, we're getting ready for a student conference here at, at Bayside, this is a moment where they so need mm -hmm. to have safe places to talk and to have outlets. I think. I didn't feel like I had that. I think I felt very, very alone. And because of it, it it secluded me and isolated me from my parents. And I think my parents mm. were under such pressure at the time right. mm. that they weren't all the way aware of the signs of that or they didn't know how to break through to that. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if that was because my dad was a pastor per se. I think it was just more like that was a time in my life when I needed to have a safe place. Yeah. And instead of running to my parents, I was running to everything other than my parents. Yeah. What would a safe place have looked like? And maybe you've experienced this with some of your kids. You know, your three boys are now, I mean, they're the youngest of the boys is in college, but, right. um, but you know, maybe how you and Amy have created some safe places for that. But what would that have looked like? I, you know, for, for me, the, what Rich is saying, I wasn't a PK, but now having raised kids to such a point now where they're all serving God. They all love God. Mm -hmm. There's really none of them are in high school anymore. So they're at this age of accountability where they have taken their relationship with God, which was real, and it's become personal. And it's that handing off of the baton is so important. And as in a relay race, you have a a, a zone that you have to do that in. And it's, it's, a, it's a window where the kids are going to be themselves. They're going to be adults. They're going to have made their decisions. Not that they're going to walk away from God in essence, but is it really going to be a personal relationship with God? And to have had an opportunity now to see my kids where they're owning that for themselves now, where they're running the race, mm -hmm. holding the baton themselves is, is a huge blessing. And it's a cry of every pastor more than mm -hmm. anything else that their kids would grow up loving God and loving yeah. the church. So how did I do that? 
I realized I had to create opportunities for them to experience God Mm. because God doesn't have grandkids. He only has kids. And so they have to realize, well, I'm not a Christian because mom and dad, Mm. but because of me. So uh, conferences like this, or I would take them with me when I would go somewhere or when I had guests come in like, like you, I'd make sure they're in the green room and they're, it's those little moments where they could hear from another pastor or have an experience with God that was apart from me. And it was other people saying in their lives and speaking into their lives the very same things that I very wanted good. to say. And in those moments with God, just it led them to a place where God became personal to them. And as pastors, I would just say, you have to figure out ways to do that, uh, which it's so hard in ministry. I just got this picture of you talking about your parents and they were so busy doing ministry and all these things that you can sometimes forget what's under your nose, which are your kids. Well, I got to create those moments for them too. And I would just say, pastors and leaders, Mm. be aware that your kids need that as much as your church people do. So pause, slow down, create moments for them with all these guest speakers that you're blessing the church with or conferences Mm. that are happening. Take your kids to those places Mm. so they can have those moments. Absolutely. That's 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 so good. You know, thinking about and just kind of hearing some of the things that that you were sharing, um, you know, you grew up in this. So church was all church, God, Christianity. I mean, it was never not a part of your life. But at some point, going back to what you had just said, it's got to become real. It's got to become personal. It's not just, well, my dad's a pastor, so I am a Christian and I go to church. But there is a shift where you own it for yourself. So speaking to our listeners, those that have kids, um, what are some things that they can do to help create environments like you were talking about for their kids to make that shift, make that decision? And then how would you encourage them if maybe they've got a kid right now that is kind of going a different direction? I don't know if you ever had a time in your life where you kind of ran or, sure. I, but but maybe you know somebody that that did. Well, how would you encourage them? Because that that's a, that's a real thing. The pressures may cause a kid to mm-hmm. run to something that they shouldn't be, but they don't they don't know where else to go. Yeah, and that's kind of two part question, but no, I think in in my story there was a season where I was running, and and uh, there was a season where I wasn't going after the things of God, and I was disobeying. And much to what Randy's talking about, I think what my dad did that was so wise was even maybe when he wasn't able to break through to me, I think he kept trying and attempting to put me in healthy environments. And so if someone's listening right now, it's like, I think that you probably should take the pressure off yourself to create the environment and you should probably go find an environment. Yeah, that's good. And so even like this is, we moved to Miami and the church that we were building was just so foreign. It was like being on the mission field. Uh, it, It was just a totally different cultural experience of any other place I'd ever been. And so my dad allowed me to on Sunday nights to go up to Fort Lauderdale near my school to this other little youth ministry. Yeah. And that little youth ministry, it probably wasn't even that great. It was 25 probably people up in this. They used to call it the attic, mm-hmm. but it was a little Presbyterian church, totally different from all the roots that I but grew no up in. no one knew you as, no as pastor son. As, I was just, just there and the youth rich. pastor was just kind to me. And I think my dad mm-hmm. noticed that. My dad allowed that. Even though we had a youth program, I was still at it, but he just allowed me to have this place that I was connecting and he never tried to stop that or stifle that. In fact, that youth pastor was one of the first people that ever gave me an opportunity to teach and preach outside of my dad. And so it was a place where like, 
I was finding my own identity, not as the son of Rich Wilkerson, mm-hmm. not in an Assemblies of God or some Pentecostal environment, but a Presbyterian little youth ministry. It was just unique. And then like what you're saying, my dad would preach places and he would take me. Mm-hmm. So at 17 years of age, I was in Australia, in Adelaide, Australia. And I can't remember who was preaching or what it was, but I just had an encounter with the Lord. There you that go. That left me changed forever mm-hmm. and came back my senior year of high school and just said, I'm cutting all of this stuff off. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not going to those parties. I'm not with these people anymore. Mm-hmm. I, no one had to tell me to do that. I just, mm-hmm. the Lord was speaking to me. And literally the next month I met my wife in Don Cherie, but she lived in a different state. It was, it's all very, very unique wow. what took place for me at 17 years of age, which is why I'm passionate about things like student conferences that we're doing here at Bayside mm-hmm. right now, because my life and who I am today, it really all began 20 years ago at 17 years of age of obeying a word from God. Wow. And I think so many of the things I'm doing today, I can go all the way back to that moment at 17 years of age of the Lord wow. speaking to me. And so mm-hmm. what my dad did great was he didn't try to necessarily create the environment not, not that he wasn't trying to have intentional conversations, but I think he was aware yeah. to go, I can't break through there. I'm going to allow that That's natural so thing good. to take place. I'm going to take him into those places. So I would just say to any pastor out there who is maybe struggling right now, just keep finding the environments that they're connecting mm-hmm. with. Find find the mentor that they can mm-hmm. talk to. Make sure, help them f- navigate and direct them into the right places to have an outlet. Maybe That's it can't good. be you in this moment, but don't be so insecure and don't be so um, fearful that it's not you that, that you miss out on them finding someone they can chat to. Well, that's, that's, that's so and that is exactly it, is that uh, you have to be secure in who you are for your dad to let you go to that youth group. Yep. Well, that's not our church. Mm. And what is that going to look like? It didn't matter. But if I had to guess, your dad probably saw some kind of connection and went to that youth pastor and said, listen, I need your help. And I've done that with so many pastors and youth pastors on our staff and other people that I saw my kids kind of gravitate to. I need you. Please, would you would you please awesome. encourage them and speak into their lives because they they need someone else. Just as, you know, we say go to a conference because kids in our church or kids in America today need places where God is stirred in their lives. Our kids need that too, mm-hmm. environments like that. That's so great. I was always, man, I was working behind the scenes always to create environments for my kids to experience God. I would leverage everything. And I had a kid at one time, our oldest son, Jordan, he talks about it all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm definitely not saying something that I don't have a, a right or the no, privilege. He's been open. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, he went and he went off the deep end and I thought I was going to lose him. And I remember uh, it was just so difficult, but I never gave up on him. I continued to encourage him. I leveraged every relationship that I could to speak into his life. And what's interesting is uh, a pastor was speaking here and was about to go up and preach. And he turned to my son and he goes, just because your parents are in ministry doesn't mean you have to. And he went up and preached. And when he said that, my son Jordan, because was wrestling with this call of God, he goes, oh, good, I don't have to do it. Good, I'm going to do business. And as soon as he did that, then the Holy Spirit started messing with him. You got to do ministry. And then he (laughs) yielded to it. Isn't that so funny? Wow. I mean, you couldn't create a moment like that but if you position your kids in Very such good. a way where those there's opportunity for those moments, that's what we have to do as parents. Very good.
That's so good. Well, I, I I think this conversation has been so incredible. And I know our listeners are probably like jotting down notes. Yeah, I hope so. If not, I hope they're rewinding and jotting mm-hmm. down notes. But, you know, Rich, I just want to thank you for being so just transparent and honest um, and how helpful that is for for everyone that is a part of this and that's mm-hmm. listening. Um, and, you know, Randy, as always, sharing a little bit of your heart and, and wisdom in your kids. And I know we've had your kids on the podcast before and um uh, if that's an episode maybe that you haven't listened to would maybe be a good one to go back to because they actually even share a little bit Mm -hmm. from their seat and their perspective it would be a great supplement to all these things that they had to go through and even your daughter-in-laws um coming into the family and you know am i supposed to be a part of this and not so if you're a pastor leader listening um and you're in that season that would be another uh episode Mm -hmm. to i'm sure we can probably link to it or something yeah and uh let people see that well Rich, thank you thank so you much guys. for being a part of the conversation and sitting around the table, Glad to do it. hanging out. Hopefully, we'll get to hang out with you we again. Do it again soon. I'm sure thank there's you. something else you can teach us. So. I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm sure, there is. Um, I appreciate it. Thank you, Rich. Man. Thank you. Really both appreciate of you. it. So grateful yes. to be here. Well, again, listeners, thank you for joining us for this episode of the Relational Leader Podcast, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Relational Leader Podcast. For more resources, visit randybazette.com.